0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today, in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's Morning Bible Study. It's good to be with y'all this morning. We're in Genesis chapter 18, verse 22, and uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Is, is the topic, and uh, the angel of the Lord and his two companions, who are two, two archangels likely, or two angels of some type, who are with Jesus, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is Jesus. They are, they are with him, and he has turned toward and went towards, uh, and Abraham is there, and Abraham is surmising, or there may be some conversation that is not known to us that is taking place. But what's happening is that God's attention was on Sodom and Gomorrah anyway. He was just passing by Abraham's tent, and he wanted to teach Abraham. He wanted Abraham to see the importance of what was going on and the importance of that idea. It said in Genesis, Genesis 18, verse 22, it says, the Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord, meaning Abraham was interceding. On behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah, he was interceding on behalf of what was going on there. He uh, stood before the Lord, and that phrase has the connotation of petitioning of, or asking God for deliverance, asking God to solve the problem, asking God to fix the issue. And so he is interceding there. And Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Now, there's two, two, two ideas that are going on here that I think are very important. The first idea is that uh, he's looking and he's seeing that God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And by the way, Abraham has a distaste for them. And we talked about this yesterday. He has a distaste for Sodom and Gomorrah anyway. You can see that when he went and got Lot and his family back from the kings of the north who had come down and attacked the kings of the south. I'm quite sure that Abraham more identifies with the kings of the north and the kings of the south, because when he brought back everything that had been taken, he gave Sodom's king back all of his possessions. And Sodom's king said, just give me back the people, you can have the possessions. Basically, he was saying, "He was saying, you deserve it, we lost the battle, I ran out into the wilderness, and you can have the possessions, just give me my people back. And Abraham said, no, I'm not taking anything of yours, Because I don't want anybody to say that you made me great or you made me rich. What he's saying is I don't want anybody to associate anything good that I have with you. I don't I don't desire that at all. I don't want anything, uh, anything I'm associated with to be associated with you which means that he had a distaste or he had there was some aspect of the king of Sodom that Abraham didn't like and it was so detestable that he didn't want to even be associated with it and that's important to understand here so you first of all have Abraham who is not who is not likely to want to intercede on behalf of Sodom who is interceding on behalf of Sodom he knows first of all that his nephew Lot and his family are in Sodom, so that matters to him, and he is, generally speaking, interceding on behalf of the righteous. Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy that place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Notice, he's asking God. He's asking God a question. He's questioning what the Lord God would do in a certain situation. And by the way, this needs to be said, and that always needs to be seeking out God for answers, seeking out God for understanding is naturally going to involve questioning. It always does. And in Eastern culture, that is what's done. The pupil or the student and the rabbi or the teacher or the have a have an open discourse relationship where questions are asked and answered where as you go through life they ask questions and god answers those questions a similar thing is taking place here a very similar thing is taking place here god is god is about to do something and abraham is asking god to understand he's trying to get an understanding what he's saying is where is where's the line i don't understand where the line now for a human being and for us, that's a rational way of looking at things. It's a rational way of considering and trying to understand what's going on in the in this situation. There's the rationalization of the situation. What he's saying is, aren't there some good people there? Uh, that would maybe Abraham didn't say it that way that would be more the southern way of doing it Lord aren't you aren't there some good people but as we would say it it is the rationalizing of the situation that Abraham saying if there's some good folks there would you destroy the whole city and destroy them also just so you could get rid of it and uh, and it's it's a it's actually a good question if you're thinking from a human rational point of view a human rationalizing it point of view and rationalism is a good thing being able to think through and divide out and understand we want people to think rationally in their life but that being said it's not how god it's not how god thinks god looks he god does think rationally it's not how it's not a good understanding of how god deals with things he says he says suppose there are 50 righteous in within the city would you also destroy that place the issue is are there really that many righteous Remember, righteousness, even though Abraham is the first man that is, has a righteousness that comes by faith, even though he's the first man for that to happen, he, is, he thinks righteousness is doing good works, just like every one of us. He still considers a righteousness someone who walks uprightly, who does, who, do, who does the right thing. And righteousness is not that. Righteousness is a person who hears God, and who trusts him and follows him with his life and that faith is what makes a man righteous or a woman righteous and it's what made abraham righteous abraham is righteous because of his faith and when abraham says look there's probably 50 good what if there's 50 good people in the city are you going to destroy the whole city and destroy the 50 good people too and for our way of looking at things that seems like a good question but remember there's no one righteous, no, not one. Each is turned to his own wicked ways. The wickedness in the heart of man is is complete. It's replete with wickedness, our heart is. And we are completely and utterly wicked. So we're not righteous unless we're a people of faith. And a people of faith are going to do and act and be who God leads them to be because they're trusting Him and they're following Him. He says... And Abraham even doubled down, doubles down on it. Verse 25, he says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall you not judge all the earth and do right? Notice it's Abraham's perspective of what is right. It's Abraham's understanding of what is right. And God understands that abraham is placing his own human standards on the situation and not not looking at it through through god's eyes he's placing his own understanding of things and not seeing it from god's perspective god is going to help abraham with this and god's not gonna god's not gonna leave him out there as an orphan he's gonna he's gonna help abraham understand this but god says so the lord said if i find in sodom fifty righteous within the city then I'll spare all the places for all the place for their sake. What he's saying is, if there's people, 50 people of faith there, I'll I'll save Sodom. I won't destroy Sodom. Their wickedness is great, but I won't destroy it if I find 50 there. He knows that there's not 50 there. He knows that there's not uh 50 people who trust him in that city. And and he wants Abraham to come to the understanding that that man is not righteous. In and of itself, man cannot attain to righteousness. In and of itself, and so he says. Then Abraham says, answered and said, Abraham thought I probably shouldn't have started with fifty. That's a little high. I know Sodom; they're really not good people. And you start hedging your bets, and that's really what Abraham's doing here. He's hedging his bets. He's going. Then Abraham said, Indeed, now I who am but dust and ashes have taken upon myself to speak to the Lord. Notice he's realizing. There's got to be something more to this. And I I have, I've interceded in a place where maybe I shouldn't have interceded. He he says, notice, indeed, now I am but dust and ashes. What he's saying is I'm nothing. And he's coming to that realization that the reason he is something is because he has a relationship with the one he's speaking to. The reason that he has import is because he has a relationship with the one he's speaking to. And so he says, "Suppose there were five less than fifty righteous, would you destroy the or destroy all of the city for a lack of five? Notice he's going from he's going from fifty down to forty five That's how we incrementally deal with God. okay, God, what if I did this? And God says, Okay, and then you go, What if I did this? And you really realize ultimately you realize it doesn't matter how incrementally I go down or God is revealing to me an eternal truth that that I have to get on my own." He says, and he spoke to him yet again and said, suppose there were 40 found there. And the Lord said, I will not do it for the sake of the 40. And then verse 30, then he said, let not the Lord be angry and I will speak. Notice he's he's negotiating. Suppose 30 should be found there. And so he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And then he said, indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose 20 should be found there. He's negotiating it down, and he's realizing as he's negotiating it down that that the Lord knows that there's not 20 there to, to be found. There's not 20 righteous there to be found. There weren't 50, and now there's not 20. He said, "Will you? We, I will not, the Lord said, listen, I'll not destroy it for the sake of 20. And then he said, let not the Lord be angry, and I'll speak, but once more, suppose 10 should be found there. He's going. How far is this going to go down? How much farther are we going to drop down in this? And he said, "I will not destroy it for 10. And remember, God's already turned to it, and the two other angels have already. The Lord God has already turned toward that mission, and the two other angels are already headed toward Sodom, and they're going to. They're going to for going there for the destruction of Sodom. And so the Lord went you know, on his way as soon as he finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. What God was explaining to Abraham is, look, when we get to Sodom, there's not even going to be 10 there. And I'm going to destroy Sodom. And I'm I'm going to destroy it completely because of its great wickedness. And there is not enough there for me to keep from destroying it. Now, the rest of the story is something we'll study next week for sure. But the rest of the story in context of what, what was done and said between Abraham and, and the Lord God is this. The Lord God did go destroy the one man of faith that was, did, did go and rescue the one man of faith there that was there. And that's Lot. He went and rescued Lot and his family. He went and rescued Lot and his wife and his girls. So God's not going to destroy Lot in the midst of his wrath or his judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah he's not going to do that. That's not going to happen. That being said, he is going to bring them out of there. He's not going to allow them to stay. And he's not going to allow them to stay in the middle of that wickedness. He's going to deliver them. And uh, that deliverance is going to take place in such a way where where God is, is glorified for him to be holy. And remember, judgment is, it glorifies God's holiness and his rightness and his perfection. And he's going to He's going to save a lot. He's not going to destroy the righteous with the wicked. And that's a New Testament principle also, that God is not God's judgment. His wrath is not against us. His wrath has been paid for by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, by Jesus's payment for our sin on the cross. We're no longer under the curse of sin and we're no longer and we're no longer destroyed by the acts of sin. And so we're not under that anymore. That being said, and remember, that comes by faith. We talked about that verse last night. For by grace are you saved through faith. Notice it's God's grace that's saving you. And then it's using the avenue of faith, of you trusting him. For by grace are you saved. Salvation comes by faith and faith alone. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Notice it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the faith that God has placed in you. And the grace that he's given you, he says, for by grace, you saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, not of the actions or activities of men, lest any man should boast. Meaning, meaning we we cannot boast of our own achievements. We cannot boast of our own ability to attain to God. We do not attain to God on our own. We uh, We do not attain to God by our own righteous actions. We do not have righteous actions of our own. All we have is actions born of faith, born of trusting him, led by him. And the actions that take place that glorify God in our own life, those actions are actions of faith. Those actions are actions of trusting him. And those actions are born of God's grace. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.